Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Good morning again. I'm going to call you back. Hey, I, I feel, I felt on the way in this morning and another thing, and so I'm just going to take three minutes from this morning's message and, uh, and give you a gentle exhortation. And I mean that. I don't ever put, uh, at least I hope I don't put demands on your lives or anything, but there's something that I noticed uh, this past week, and I don't know, you know, it's a duh and everything, but I, I want to speak it to you and especially for you who have children and grandchildren and even to the children and grandchildren. You have a great future ahead of you. How do you know this? Because of what the Word says to us. And the world is trying to get us to look in this really distorted, dystopian view. And so they're telling us that the ecology of the planet is going to fail that everything's going to go into corruption. Look, I grew up, science fiction was my escape as a little boy. When I found science fiction in little books that I ordered from the book club that only cost, believe it or not, a dime back then. And, uh, you know, they would send it around. And I would look through the science fiction first because the stories just, I don't know, they just lit me up and they were my escape and everything long before I knew Christ. But if you look at the stories that they're putting out, I want to tell you it's filth. Not filth in the sense of how we normally feel like it, not just about uh, human fleshy things, that kind of filth. They're trying to steal the idea that God has a good future for you, for you and I and for this generation of young people coming up. So many of them are terrified of what's going to happen over the next 25 years. That's not God. And it's not true. As mankind progressed, things have, have actually gotten better and better and better and better. My gosh, we get, we get uh, if we have a fever today, you can go to the, <laughs> to the medicine cabinet and grab aspirin or Tylenol. Uh, we have stuff today. Get, get your eyes back on God. For Christians that have a, a horrible view of the future, cast it aside. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Don't let that bring you down. And for God's sake, you know, I have to speak this for myself. Stop watching those terrible science fiction movies of dystopian future that they're putting out. Stop it. Don't receive it. I, I don't care how it says that your favorite actor, how much you love it. It's a lie. Don't receive it. I'm most prone to watch those. And I think that's why the Lord, and, but he wanted me to share this with him. Don't let your kids, speak to your kids about what's actually occurring. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is his. Man, you think mankind's going to destroy the earth? Will the earth go away? Yes. 
And we will receive a new earth. And it won't be frightening or anything. It's just that same transition of being born again. The earth will be born again. Brand new. And you'll be there. Don't let them steal your future, your children's future, and your grandchildren's future. Don't let them do it. So don't give the earnest heed to it. Here's what it says to give the most earnest heed to. This is from Hebrews. To the things that you know of God. God does not have a bleak future ahead of him. He won. He's all right. If we could see heaven this morning, he's won. We got to just, in our worship, just taste the slightest hint of that. He has won, beloved. And you have a good future. Read Jeremiah. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. To give you justice and bring you to a just end, to good end. My ending is good and so is yours. And quit watching the dystopian stuff. I never tell people to don't do things, but don't do that. And I will commit to not do that either. So throw it's science fiction. It's fiction. It's not the truth. Speak the truth to your children, over your children about their future, yes? Thank you. That felt good. Because I was a little, you know, I had a little energy on it. I was a little angry. It's like, stop stealing my future, you know? It's just like, do you remember the old Snickers commercial where the guy standing in the line to go in heaven and St. Peter's doing that and he's standing there, you know? And uh, he gets up first in line, the guy looks at him and says, I don't know if it's St. Peter, looks at him and says, oh boy, you're a winner. <laughs> That's the lie. That's what they're trying to do to us. They turn everything bleak and ugly. When in reality, the day that you enter heaven, Jesus is going to throw his arms around you and say, well done. I'm going, oh, I blew it all the time. Well done. So Paul said, fight the fight, the good fight of faith. Speak faith into your kids' lives over and over and over and over again. Tell them who they're going to be. That's the other thing they're trying to do is steal our kids' identity from their sexuality to, to what they will be when they grow up. I tell you what, my kids have stunned me. Don't let them, don't let them steal. Okay, enough. Lord Jesus, Lord, as we continue this unfolding description that's in your word through Peter to encourage us in our lives and to understand your economy, I pray that revelation would come this morning to each of our hearts, that we could glimpse something different about that which we thought we knew, and that you would bring an energy to it, a spirituality to it that lightens us so that we shine. In Jesus' name. So this is our operating, operating scripture that we've been on for, I think, maybe two or three months now. And it's about the economy of God and how God multiplies grace and peace to us in the knowledge of him 
and that we can have the knowledge of him by adding things to our faith. First believing, and then he gives us an assortment, but they're real important. They're real clear as they build. They're, they're a hierarchy of things, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. But here it is, 2 Peter 1.5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness. It took us four weeks to get through godliness and actually take that apart to, to see what it is. And then he says in verse 7, to godliness brotherly kindness. It's like somebody let the air out of the balloon. Kindness? That's, that's the high, you know, it's just like, oh, well, anybody can be kind. Yeah, this is bigger than that. We see kindness as such a small thing. So, and let me finish it. And to brotherly kindness love, for, and what did he talk about this morning as we worship? For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am a fruitful vine. I am Psalm 1. So are you. I was designed to be fruitful, so God designed me to easily add these things into my life. Not some, oh my God, I get this, or if I don't get this, I'm not perfect. It's none of that. It's seeing things that the Holy Spirit's emphasizing to you and whispering into your soul is doing really important if it follows being yes I first must be and then God has things for me to do and he loves to whisper them to us and so when he does this passage of scripture he is whispering something high and lofty brotherly kindness I don't think we truly, and I, and I don't want to mess this up, so I actually want to just read what I wrote. So this was this morning's, at least part of the first part of the teaching, is kind of like listening to a Lloyd blog. We now come very near to the top of our hierarchy of additions under the economy of God. To godliness... We are to add kindness, a particular kindness, a kindness that has the adjective brotherly. Before you can unpack what kindness really means and what it really entails, it's important to look at where it is positioned in following godliness and ask, why there? Why would kindness, why would brotherly kindness, why would Peter write that? Isn't godly, like if you're godly, that's like the top of the ladder, right? Well, the answer actually is very rich and demanding. I believe it's placed here to keep us from the distraction of judgmentalism and the arrogance of comparison of how we are living our lives and the perceptions and expectations of what that godly living advances in us in the line of being good. It's a capstone to godliness. Godliness alone without brotherly kindness causes me to judge you where on you're on the ladder of godliness. 
What rung are you on? Your life doesn't look very... Just like as we look at godliness about our own hypocrisy of not being able to live up to that, there's also another, it's a cousin to it. And that's the judgmentalism when somebody else that we know, especially in the family of God, brotherly, can't do it, won't do it, are stubborn about it, well, they need help, Lord. They're just being unteachable. Because I got it. I'm doing it. I'm trying as hard as I can. Why can't they? We start comparing. We compare them to other people. We compare them to ourselves. We compare them to what we know. Do you know what? Every intention in my heart is good. I'm convinced of it. I try to live godly. But you... I'm pretty sure God's angry enough to zap you a couple of times. You see how we do that subtle thing? My intention was always good, but you, you reacted wrong to me. The way you spoke to me was ugly. And we can see each other's behavior patterns, idiosyncratic behavior, especially when you're married. Marriage is one huge microscope of idiosyncratic behavior. Why do you sniff that way? Go blow your nose. Not that that was ever said in my house. <laughs> to, we do this, you guys. And that's why Peter said, you better put kindness over top of that godliness. You really need it as a capstone. Because it helps you manage your expectations towards friendship and others, family, familial relationships. I heard an interesting thing in listening to, I've been listening to a lot of football analysis, because I believe that Chiefs are going to win today. Rich Friedman. What rung are you on wearing them who day or who dem? <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll have to pray for Rich later, you guys. He's just not getting it. Anyway, I heard an interesting thing. Said this. Expectations are the doorway to disappointment. When we put expectations on each other, even of what love looks like, the only person you can really, and then you have to be very careful, the only person you can put any expectations on is yourself, or that you should. Though it's good to have boundaries, especially in friendship. But boundaries and expectations of godliness are two different things. And here's what's weird. It's got kind of a balance to it because we know that we have to judge things. And we also know from human relationships that I must have boundaries because if I don't have boundaries, others will violate it. And God never asked you to go without boundaries. He asked you to bring them under submission to him. So I think this is what Peter is trying to say. 
bring all that, especially godliness, under submission to kindness. Man, when you submit to kindness, things change. Because the danger with godliness is it can easily cross the line and move into demanding and placing expectations on someone. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. Have you ever noticed that when you're trying to talk to somebody and get them to do what you think is right for their lives and when they start like backing away from you, you see their body language. Do you watch body language? You should. And they start going like that. They suddenly feel like you're putting expectations on their lives and their behavior and that's why they're backing away. Of all the things that have ruined familial feelings in any church body is when we decide what rung on the ladder that others have climbed to and what they still need to do in their lives to be acceptable or growing. So people get what they call hurt at church. And it's always the church or those people um, because it's too hard to deal with just one thing. And so you expand it. It's the humanness. It's the weakness of human nature. I suddenly go, well, it wasn't Lloyd. It was, it was New Day. And so I'm mad at everybody in the church, though 90% of the per- church didn't even know who I was. How do we do that? And that's hard in a small congregation, but larger congregations deal with it all the time. And so in America, it's a matter of choice. You don't like it, you get up and leave. You don't work it out. It's too hard to be kind. Working it out requires kindness and listening. I'm reading Bono's autobiography. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. Some of you don't know, maybe don't know who Bono is. And uh, it's the band U2. And it's the story of his life from his point of view. And he doesn't do it time-wise. He jumps around in time. He did it by 40 songs. So there's 40 chapters in the book. And each one of his songs, he takes a section of the song and explains things that he learned or what he went through in life. And it's really brilliant. And I haven't seen very many people that demanded kindness on their own life and realizing they couldn't do it without God than he did. Now, you'd have to read the book to understand that. But it's just phenomenal. And I think that, I went, oh, that's what Peter was trying to tell us. That's what he was trying to get across us, that within the economy of God, kindness is like on the, it's, it's on the top of the food order. This is a food chain that it's way up there. Brotherly kindness produces a humility in us and a power in us that reflects the intent and purpose of Christ in us. Every one of God's intent towards you is to be kind to you. That's a mouthful. Every intent and purpose of God for you is kindness, He emanates kindness. When we say God is good, what we really mean is he's, being, he's so kind. He is so kind to us. If you get a glimpse of God's kindness towards you, you want to give it away to other people. So in order to walk this out, when you add it in your life, you have to first receive again and again and again 
the kindness of God. Adding kindness caps it off as an expression of how we feel and walk our faith towards others. Well, I think I need to tell them that um, the Lord's pleased with them, but there's a couple areas that the, that's not kind. Just tell them that God's pleased with them. You're not there. I don't. This is one of the things I've never really understood about even doing small groups in the past and everything. God didn't put other people in my life to fix me. You can't fix me. You can't take away what happened to me. You can't exhort me to just change my behavior and that'll take care of it. You can't. He can. What you can do is be kind to me and tell me that he can. The work of a counselor. Showing people how much God cares and is in there. And give them a hope within their hearts to see change. What about when it's addictions? You and I both know this. There are stories of where God kicked addiction out of somebody's life. I see some of you sitting in here. I'm standing here. As a young man, I was deeply addicted to drugs. It was destroying my life before I got saved. It was destroying my life, and I had to struggle with it after I got saved. But by the grace and kindness of God, he helped me. He helped me put that aside. And I found a greater thing, the grace and peace of God that he promised when I would add things, he would be there and he would remove it. But fixing each other? I'm not here to fix you. I can't fix you. How can I adjust your nose when I didn't make it? How can I tell you you're too mouthy when I have one of my own? I know this is a little tough, but this is actually what, what Peter's trying to get to. Adding kindness when it's, when it's expressed through God to others, through your faith, in what you believe to be true about God, it's why you nearly need to receive the gospel of grace because if that's what's true, guess what you'll give to everybody else? Grace. I believe that kindness displayed and given towards others is a large portion of Ephesians 2.10. It's a large portion of it. What's Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works. This isn't about you going to the nations of the earth. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is about you being kind to cousin Frank, who always says that thing at Christmas time, that always just <clears throat> sets me on edge. And the whole idea of Christmas gets blown up. Give him a cup of kindness. Give him a cup of kindness. Not what he deserves. If we all got what we deserve, nobody would be sitting here. I think I'm going to close there.
And we'll get to the rest of it later. This is really important. If you have to miss a Sunday, don't. If you have to miss a Sunday, uh, we're trying to get the recordings up, and I'm working hard on it. I lost the thumb drive a couple of weeks ago. And you can just pray for me that my memory stays solid and that we get them up there, and I'll do my best not to mess it up. And if it makes you mad, be kind to me. (laughs) Just be sweet to me. Just... Can we pray that for ourselves as we close this today? I want to be sweet. I do. I want to be a Hershey Kisses at Christmas time. You know? I just... Uh, and there's a... We're going to get to it. There is a secret law of kindness. So even as we close today, ask the Lord to drop into your thoughts this week Somebody that you need to do something kind for. And don't tell anybody, especially them. Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's something easy. Maybe it's something giving something away. Maybe it's something doing something. Maybe it's a text that says, hey, I was just thinking about you today, and I just want you to know I think you're a wonderful person. I like the Christ that I see in you. And just give them that. A little deed of, a little secret deed of kindness. We have to quote St. Gandalf. He may have been an archangel, I don't know. Some believe it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that's not what I have found. I have found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Simple acts of kindness and love. That was from The Hobbit, a children's story that they've made into something that it wasn't. A children's story that they could see a good future out of little people who lived in a hole in the ground. Stunning, isn't it? Lord Jesus, help us. Help us this week to be kind. Plop into our thoughts a secret deed of kindness that we can do for somebody. And we'll be open to whatever it is. Lord, help me to wear a smile, not be worn out with traffic and shopping and all the things that seem to make me want to be unkind and replace it with who you are. You are the God of all kindness. When the kindness of God appeared towards man, he gave us Jesus. We receive Jesus again. Let it wipe out the judgmentalism that often gets in the way. Remind us this week, day by day, how kind you have been. Show it to me again, fresh and new. And I'll receive it. I'll receive it, God, because I need it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.